Good morning, church. We're the Walker family, Matt and Amy and Olivia and Jake. And we're so grateful to be a part of WCPC. One thing that I'm so grateful for is the church has helped me build a rhythm of daily prayer. I use a daily prayer app that we use in a men's group I'm involved in, and I'm so grateful for it. And one thing uh, that we have incorporated into our lives since joining WCPC is that we now host a community group at our house every two weeks. And this community group has been such a blessing for our family, just being able to get together with several of you um, on a frequent basis where we just study God's word and pray with and for each other. So today, the reading will be 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. This is God's word. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I was always thank my God of you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm till the end, so that you will be blameless on the day on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This, this is, is the, the word, word of, of the Lord. Lord. Amen. Thank you to the Walker family, and note to self, make this sermon interesting to Jake. Uh, <laughs> he's thrown down the gauntlet. Uh, well, welcome uh, back to this sermon series that we're getting going with. In this series, if you haven't noticed yet, we are focusing just on the beginnings of many of Paul's letters letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to these young churches in the Mediterranean region. And these are beginnings, if you're someone who knows your way around the Bible, sometimes, let's confess, we kind of race through these beginnings in order to get to what might be like the meat, we'd say, of, of the letter where Paul gets into the heavy teaching. But as a reminder, and this is a great reminder in this series, these introductions are just as much in the Bible, they're just as much God's Word, they're just as much inspired by the Holy Spirit, and so there really is something in these introductions to pay close attention to, and that's what we're really doing week after week and seeing different facets of these intros. So I'd like to talk about something we see in this introduction to 1 Corinthians that I'll just call this verbal hospitality. Verbal hospitality. And just in this sermon, I'll introduce that idea show you a little bit how it shows up just in this one text, but it shows up in many texts in the Bible, as well as uh, 
how we can ourselves take up Paul's own example of verbal hospitality and practice it ourselves in our lives and in our church community and to our neighbors. And then also something about where we get the energy to do it, because it does take some energy to, to show this verbal hospitality. So here we go. Paul begins many of these letters with a verbal greeting to the church that is very similar to what we see here in verses 3 and then verse 4. So verse 3, he says to them, Grace and peace to you from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. It's a greeting. And then he says in verse 4, I always thank my God for you. I always thank my God for you. And we could ask Paul, Paul, why do you thank your God for them? Well, he'll tell us because then he goes on to say that he has noticed certain ways that God has enriched them and gifted them. In this case, he says, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge. So there's this greeting with grace and peace, this overflowingly verbally hospitable way of greeting them. Uh, And then it's also noting something about transformation he's seen in their own character that shows evidence of God's working in their lives, but he speaks that to them. So, to sum up, verbal hospitality, just as I'm introducing it here, is speaking to someone grace and peace, wishing upon them, blessing them with an ask that they, uh, a, a, a wish that they would experience the grace and the, the joy, the peace. You could stuff in some other words here too. Um, we often just call this blessing, uh, but it's a kind of Christian gospel-y greeting. And then secondly, it's noticing something about a person that you've seen and taken note of that shows evidence of God's work in their life. And that's verbal hospitality. I'm going to just keep unfolding it, though. Um, let's, uh, let me ask you this. Like, why, why would we call this verbal hospitality? About Wednesday this week, which is right when a preacher is starting to feel like, I better have my thesis for the sermon, um, I kind of landed on this this phrase, verbal hospitality, and I sort of ran it by a couple people, and it feels a little wordy to me, a little awkward, but I'm just going to go with it. Uh, but I feel like I need to defend that phrase a little bit, because it's, it's, it's introducing technical jargon where Paul has no technical jargon at all. Why would we call this verbal hospitality of all things? Well, you know, I'll grant you this, hospitality comes in many forms, there's many ways that we experience it and, to, and dish it out ourselves. Many times when we use that word hospitality, we're thinking of something about the literal opening up of our house to guests to come in, about coming in and maybe even literally sitting down around a table and having food and drink and conversation. And that is a, that's a great ground note for what hospitality looks like in the acting of it out. My favorite illustration of how that form of table hospitality is a, a picture of uh, Christian truth of the gospel is this old movie, Babette's Feast, that came out in the 80s, if anyone's heard of it. I'm seeing a few people shaking their heads, which encourages me, because I, I ran this by Tommy this week, like, do we, do we overquote from that movie by any chance? Like, when, I feel like someone just used this illustration, but apparently not. Um, it, it was a movie in the 80s. And it was based on a short story by Isak Denison from the 1800s, as a matter of fact. And Babette's Feast was a story about a French woman who was a professional chef. And she has to take refuge. She has to leave Paris. And she ends up taking refuge in this very small commune of very dour Scandinavian Christians in this little coastal town. I think it was in Norway. 
And they are a very serious-minded Christian sect uh, in this cold and barren coastal town. And it seems in the movie like their particular form of faith, the way they exercised it, was all about being frugal. It was all about self-denial. And there's a place for both of those things in the Christian life, to be sure. But um, the paleness of the colors of this town and the, the uh, grayness of their clothes communicates that in some way their spiritual stance was to even see God himself as uh, gray and withholding and frugal toward them and, and somewhat miserly. That was their warp and woof of their Christian community, such as it was. But in comes Babette, and she is someone who is herself, some, she's quiet, she's devout in many ways, but she's also a chef, a, a, an extreme gourmet. And so as Babette comes in, she arrives as a picture of God's grace and hospitality. And in this, the great turning point of the movie, uh, I am spoiling it now, but it's called Babette's Feast. There will be a feast in the movie. She spends her last dollar uh, by providing them a massive and delicious and over-the-top feast. And as she's spending this money, boatload after boatload of ingredients come in from faraway places, and the people all look so, they're shocked by this scandalous um, uh, overabundance, this cornucopia of, of delights that come in. And Babette puts on this great feast for them, It's foods they've never heard of, and she is, in that moment, very clearly, and it's it's not a stretch of the imagination, too. God is mentioned throughout in these scenes. She's a picture of the overflowing abundance of God's grace to a people that had forgotten that God is himself the great host, that God is the source of all hospitality, that God invites us to his presence through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. We're invited to the table where we can sup on him, all of these rich themes of God's overflowing abundance that not only saves us, but gives us the joy of his presence. And they finally you know, relax into the hospitality of Babette, but also into the hospitality of God. That physical act of hospitality you see in a movie like that is echoed in every physical act of our own hospitality when we open our homes. And I realize that's the kind of picture of hospitality that we're mostly used to. But I'm arguing for something we're calling verbal hospitality, um, a, a way of speaking hospitality to people. So hospitality is a spoken act that begins as a mental act. So here's what I mean by this. How do you show verbal hospitality? You begin by opening your mind to people, not just your home, but opening your mind. We talk about in the therapy room, sometimes when I'm doing couples counseling, one of the great goals a lot of times is that the husband and the wife can make more mental room for each other, to pay attention to the, the one they're married to, to listen to them, to consider their words, to imagine what their day must be like, to imagine what kind of coffee they might like to have in the morning, to let them take up residence in their mind first. Paul must have done this with the Corinthians because the way he speaks to them about, you know, eventually when he does speak to them, it's very particular observing, things that he's observing about how God's 
grace had filled them with a kind of speech that they have now that they might not have had before. He's watching them, in other words. Mental hospitality is watching, not in a creepy way, but paying attention, considering, um, rolling over in your mind the person that you're going to eventually speak to. But then it does shift to the act of verbal hospitality, of speaking words. The words that Paul speaks, just to hit this again, is it's two things. It's, he says, I, I greet you with grace and peace. So it's speaking to people a desire that God bless them, that God keep them. Um, I would say I got blessed five seconds before standing up here when uh, Phil Davidson came up to me and said he'll be praying for me during the sermon. He's praying out there right now somehow for this sermon. It was a kind of verbal blessing. It was, you know, it was, he's essentially saying, Phil was saying, may God's grace fall on you and uphold you and equip you to do the thing that you have to be doing up there in a few minutes. That felt good. I felt hosted by Phil in that moment. And that's part of what Paul does. It's the first half of it. But that, this is, there's many ways to do this kind of uh, hospitality through blessing with grace and peace. We do it through the passing of the peace every Sunday here. So we get a chance to really do exactly what Paul did, passing the peace of Christ. This is not just a, it's not merely a casual hello, even though it might be in the form of a hello. But if you want to thicken up your grace and peace greeting, consider, um, yeah, ratcheting up the level of godness when we talk to each other. You could literally say this to people. May God, hey, I hope God really blesses and keeps you this week. Hey, I hope, hey, brother, sister, friend, I hope that you experience faith, hope, and love in God this week, in a way. I hope you, I hope you experience his pleasure this week. That could sound a little bit over really religious to you. It could sound a little bit hyper-spiritual, but I'm guessing if we're going to be like Paul in this, we, we move the needle, maybe just one notch, maybe two notches, but moving the needle to speak these kinds of words. But secondly, what Paul does again, this is the third time I've said this, so I hope it's sinking in. He, in this intro to 1 Corinthians, notices and appreciates verbally something he has seen in their life. And I'm just only focusing on the way that he says that uh, he sees in them that you've been enriched in every way, he says in verse 5, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. He seems to be saying that he notices that they're growing in knowledge of God, they're maturing in the faith. In other words, there's something about the quality of their speech uh, that is uh, showing growth. Maybe it's a kindness that they didn't have before. Maybe it's a generosity of speech they didn't have before. But he's noticing it, and he's naming it and saying it. This is a kind of verbal hospitality that we can take up ourselves, I would say. And again, there's a million ways to make this cheesy or hyper-spiritual and kind of strange, but there's uh, two million ways to make it very normal and very encouraging. Um, I was uh, verbally blessed by one of you last week. I won't name your name because I do that maybe too much in these sermons, call you out. Uh, but there's, there is one of, one of you who's in the room today who just came up to me, and you always do this, you know who you are, and you name something you saw and something that I said or did, and you, you remind me that that's some kind of a reflection of God's goodness or God's grace. Um, uh, verbal hospitality is to notice people enough that you can see how they are appearing Christ-like, perhaps, how some facet of God's character is showing up in them, and then saying it to them. It is a, it, this builds 
closeness in communities when we speak like this. It warms hearts, and it does the same kind of work that the Apostle Paul is doing in almost every single one of these letters. It's a great rhythm of life for any Christian community. Um, it's a great rhythm of life even outside the Christian faith. You can do this. This gets even more dangerous, but if there's someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ or is outside the Christian faith, and you say, this might sound crazy to you, but the God I believe in is a God who's generous. And you know, to be honest, when you did X, Y, and Z, when you held my kid's hand on the playground when he fell down, it just kind of reminded me of God's generosity. Hope that doesn't freak you out. <laughs> it would, 40% of the time, probably. Uh, but be a little bit risky. Well, there's a great verse in Peter, not to switch apostles too much here, but the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 4.9, he really does connect, I would say, see if you can hear this echo, hospitality to this verbalness. 1 Peter 4.9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then he says, each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. And then he says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. There is at least, I think, an echo in there of this idea that hospitality, he says, show hospitality. You've all been given gifts, now give those gifts to one another um, and do it through your speech. Do it through your speech. Hospitality as speech. How do you get the energy for this, though? A few times in this sermon I've mentioned that this could feel like a stretch, it could feel awkward, it could feel hyper-spiritual, it uh, could feel legalistic. Um, there's an energy for this kind of thing that only comes if you yourself have felt uh, the hospitality of God offered to you. The very ground note, the foundation for all acts of hospitality is to know that you have been welcomed yourself by the triune God. And here's what I mean. There are many places in Scripture where we see God speaking to us words of hospitality, as he welcomes us to have a relationship with him, as he uh, tells us what he has done for us, the table he has set for us through the work of Jesus Christ in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. Many places in scripture where he invites us to savor that, to enter that, and to receive that hospitality. One verse among many and this is an Old Testament verse, actually, is Zephaniah 3.17, and I just want to quote this and uh, un unpack it a teeny, teeny, teeny bit. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's Zephaniah 3.17. It is a hospitality-rich promise of God spoken to his people. You've got to take a verse like Zephaniah 3.17 in if you're going to become a hospitable person yourself verbally. Here's what I mean. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord God is with you. You've got to believe and receive that God is not distant from you. He has approached you and invited you in. That's the nature of the God we have. Not a distant watchmaker God who's wound the world up and steps back and lets it wind down. A God who has become present. But he's also a mighty warrior who saves this means that God comes in toward you, uh, first of all, fighting for you, fighting for your life. We know elsewhere in Scripture that the way God is a warrior is he defeats every 
thing that opposes your life and eternal health. He comes and he fights and he defeats sin in your life. He defeats death itself. He defeats the power of every spiritual enemy you might have. All of this comes to a head through the work of Jesus Christ. But to become verbally hospitable, you've got to say, God served me as a divine warrior in this way. And I'm safe now in his arms, safe at his table. And then you've got to say, Zephaniah 3.17, he takes great delight in me. Sometimes in uh, the Christian faith, we are so good doctrinally at getting this idea that God reconciled us to himself through the cross that we forget that God delights to reconcile to us through the cross. Um, when, when Jesus Christ has completed his work, and even before he's completed his work, it's because there's a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit who together delight in us enough to have brought us into his table, into his presence. You've got to remember the delight. God is glad that you've shown up at his house to sit down at his table. He's pleased. To, it's not dutiful at all. There's a God who is pleased and is happy to have you around his table. If you feel welcomed in that way by the God of the whole cosmos, it becomes an energy in you to extend even a fragment of that hospitality to others with your words. That's verbal hospitality, friends. It's an uh, awkward phrase, perhaps. It's an awkward challenge to think about ratcheting up in different ways. It's something that there's a million counterfeit forms of, in the forms of flattery, flattery and false praise and complicults. There's all kinds of pseudo-verbal hospitality. But if you get the promise of God through Jesus Christ, the hospitable table he opens to us that we're about to celebrate, you will become uh, incrementally more like Paul in his openings to these letters, but more importantly, more like Jesus Christ and his Father. Uh, let's just pray that in a little bit and receive that gentle challenge to open this up in your own life this week as you show hospitality to others through your words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, number one, that you are a divine warrior who has entered the world that has threatened us in so many ways, even our own sin and flesh has threatened us, and you have defeated every enemy and then invited us into a celebratory meal where we rest in you and drink in the joy that you have provided. May we really drink deeply, eat deeply. May we be filled with thoughts of you and your work for us and your delight in us. But we ask, especially now that as we do that, you would help us to purify the way we speak to one another, to extend the way that we use our words to give them, everyone, a taste of your hospitality. Challenge us to move that needle, perhaps one or two notches this week. We pray in Christ's name these things. Amen.